This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. The country we now call Australia was built on the stolen lands of hundreds of unique Indigenous nations, and we recognise that as white women, we continue to partake in and benefit from the act of colonisation. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Books Love. Welcome. 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 Welcome to Books Love. Was that your sexy voice? (laughs) Welcome to Books Love, a podcast bringing erotica out of the gutter and into a snobbier gutter. Hi, my name is Abby. And I'm Sam. It should go without saying that this podcast is not safe for work, so put your headphones in. Alright, well, uh, welcome to my bedroom, Sam. Happy to be here. Um, We've come full circle back to recording in a bunker. Yeah. Due to corona. Yeah. Hopefully by the time we actually like post this episode we won't be socially isolated anymore yes um so today i have a book that i (laughs) bought for ten dollars ten dollars yep i bought it from a independent bookstore in melbourne Mm -hmm. um it's very famous it's called hairs and hyenas classic it's Um, a classic so very, very well known in the queer communities. I just wandered in there one day um, as I was walking by and had a look in their erotic literature section. There's a huge amount of crimeettes there. <laughs> Which is really something we should explore, I think. It is. It's not what we're exploring today. No, no, no. <laughs> just, you know, future. <laughs> yeah. Future note. But there was a lot. Um, anyway, and this this is what I found and what I what I bought. Uh, so it's best bisexual women's erotica, and I mean it's yeah, it is pretty overtly sexy. It's a woman lying on a bed, and it's just like her fishnetted stocking legs in like horrifically ugly shoes, <laughs> um, and like little kind of garter thingies although these aren't called what i thought they're called oh because like the garter is like the bit at the stocking i think and then these are like halter straps or right and like the garter belt belt is like the thing that gets it all together yeah i recently because i'm real into these oh yeah i'm so into them i wish i had more (laughs) of a like opportunity to wear garters and stockings i mean i really just need to make my own i think you're just limiting yourself really (laughs) you could wear them to work underneath a skirt and no one would know absolutely not what i wanted to say what i wanted to say was i wish i had the money to Uh, afford garter belts and stockings and this kind of accoutrement (laughs) minus the like minus the fishnets fishnets remind me of uh like being 10 and doing jazz ballet. Not the most sexy <laughs> image for most. For me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like fishnets and like it's raining men. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know, do you find it sexy? I think the colour tone's a bit weird. I find it... It looks it, a bit like she's dead. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I don't okay. Know. I just find it like... So obnoxiously, stereotypically sexy, like air quotes around sexy, that it kind of like jars me a little bit. I feel like the title being like, is also it's a bold in that title. In font. <laughs> <laughs> and over the top of everything, like obviously if you were reading this on the tram, people would know what you're reading. Which FYI did today. <laughs> and I'm so proud of you for that. I, when, I, I noticed like I did go out of my way to hide the cover. Because I was like, I can't. I can't. But if I didn't have that massive, like, best bisexual women's erotica, I wouldn't automatically assume erotica. Yeah. I would probably go into crime. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, you know, I can I can see that. I just, 
but yeah, and I don't like her shoes. I also, I mean, the inside cover with the, I hate this, like, spacing. <laughs> so everyone that, like, best is spaced with, like, space for a whole other letter in between it. And it's I, like, what I is that, it. justified? Just when it's, yeah, it's yeah. like center justified. Yeah. And best is oh, too we've small. Got high quality content. <laughs> you do that every decision is a decision that you could have made differently yeah. and that one should have been made differently. i think that the title itself is like a very bold claim like best anything like that's a it set me up to immediately be like oh really <laughs> i mean that might say more about you than it does about the book undoubtedly <laughs> undoubtedly <laughs> oh prove it to me then <laughs> women <laughs> Yeah, um, so when I was in the store, um, this was the only thing that was, like, overtly bisexual. Uh-huh. Um, like, there was a lot of, you know, lesbian erotica, a lot of gay erotica, a lot of kink, even, like, a little tiny section for straight erotica, which I found very, like, funny because it was a tiny, <laughs> tiny section. Um, huge amounts of crime ants, as I said. Um, this was the only one that I could find that had bisexual in the title. So right. I was so I was intrigued by it. Um, well, I mean, it's interesting. I like I was talking to you once again about me going into a rabbit hole of academia on this. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm glad that I'm actually really intrigued that you did because, like, I do identify as bisexual, and then having read the book, I think it'll be interesting to hear like the academic side of it because I, I I I'm hoping I'll learn something from you today. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of crazy just how much bisexuality has been. And bi-erasure is a thing in um, particularly the social studies area and Mm. things like psychology and stuff. So one of the best, like one of the things that I read was actually someone's uh, dissertation, I think, that was... Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. (laughs) And yet... (laughs) It started, it was for us, it was a psychology student. And essentially her, one of her arguments was that the bi-erasure that we see in the, in that discipline is mostly by putting them together with gay and lesbian yeah. people. Yeah. Not separating bisexual people into their own little group. Yeah. And actually, I mean, I saw a few things in academia, but bisexuality was kind of also grouped in with things like pansexuality yeah. and, um, non-monosexuality which is which is like a umbrella term for anything that isn't just using the dichotomy of gay to straight yeah of course so like there's a lot of terms pansexuality and the sexuality yeah there's there's a lot polysexual (laughs) anything that is that indicates that it's more than one yeah exactly so so a lot of it was focused around this idea of which i hadn't really thought much about but that we have a dichotomy. Like, mm. gay and straight is a dichotomy. It's either you're into one or you're into the other. Yeah. And by erasure, a lot of the times, has come out of the fact that we still treat sexuality as a dichotomy. Yeah, totally. Whereas it's not. <laughs> oh, I already feel so seen. <laughs> like, we understand that there's some kind of blurry spectrum, but we still sort of, like, prioritise the the clear-cut ends of the spectrum, the categories, like as and we've spoken about this before, humans love to categorize um, everything. And so people who, who have a sexuality that's maybe a little bit more blurry is harder to understand. It's harder to quantify. It's harder to put in a box. And I think that um, a lot of bi erasure comes out of, out of that kind of feeling. So there was a study that was done in 2017 that was essentially trying to talk to a bunch of bisexual and pansexual people about how they identify themselves as bisexual yeah. or pansexual. Yeah. Because a lot of how we identify bisexuality and sexuality in general now has to do with things like your action and your attraction and the and these mm. things. So it's like if you're if you've slept with people of both but then there's this whole thing of like 
do you need to sleep with? And I, and I think it's an issue that a lot of um, bisexual people struggle with is this idea that you need to sleep with both genders equally to be yeah. bisexual. You know, Otherwise, like, like prove yourself. Yeah. And using that, your sexual history to be like, no, I am bisexual. Here's like my, which is, which is something that is specific to bisexuals. Yeah. Because if you say I'm gay, no one says like, well, have you ever dated you know, tell me all of the people that you've dated and I'll determine yeah. if you're gay or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, whereas if you say you're bisexual and they're like, oh, particularly they found like when people were in relationships. So if you were in a relationship with a same-sex relationship, people were like, no, you're gay. Mm, yeah. But if you were in a different sex relationship, people would be like, no, you're straight. And then the bisexual person then feels like they have to be like, well, here are all the people I've ever dated and you can see that some of them are women and therefore... And then it's also like, when did you date those women? Was it when you're in high school? Because then that's just experimentation. Just a phase, or, yeah. yeah. But I read this great, um, like one of the lines from these researchers that did this study in 2017. And it said, uh, researchers often theorize bisexuality as the midpoint between heterosexuality and homosexuality. This practice places less of an emphasis on bisexuality as an independent identity and more on how it exists relative to monosexualities. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's it like does. This, it's like this idea of when people explain bisexuality, it is always in relation to a monosexuality. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're already positioning it as this. And to be honest, when I when I was reading these articles and I thought about how I thought of bisexuality that's kind of, I, I did kind of think, okay, sexuality is a spectrum and you can be more one or the other, but bisexuality yeah. is in the middle of that spectrum. Mm -hmm. Like that's, it's the middle point. Yeah. And I, I mean, it doesn't help when you've got things, historical things like the Kinsey scale, for example, mm. which for those who don't know, came out in the forties by, a, it was developed by a guy called Alfred Kinsey. And so he kind of like paved the way when it came to thinking about sexuality as like a spectrum. Um, and the idea is that if you rate yourself between a zero and a six, and if you're a zero, then you're like completely heterosexual. And if you're a six then you're completely homosexual. And so like the benefit of that is that it does, it did highlight this idea of there being, you know, a, a spectrum of varying degrees of different kinds of sexualities. But what it did do is, is put it in this very kind of like, you've got two and like, it just, it's very simplistic, I guess. And so this idea of being in the middle Whereby somewhere somewhere between like what one and five is where bisexuals hang out, mm. um, which isn't really, I guess, doesn't really capture the full picture of bisexuality because, like you were saying, it just makes it in relation to a monosexuality. Mm. We went deep. Real quick. We did go deep <laughs> real quick. Um, they have tried to like sort of like update that since then. Like in the seventies, this guy called. Fritz Klein um, attempted to like redefine the Kinsey scale mm. um, and he published the Klein grid, which has 21 different parameters, um, which like is valuable in the sense that it's good that it expands on like there's so many different scopes in terms of being like romantically attracted to particular genders versus sexually attracted mm. and I don't like elements of identification in there as well. But what it doesn't, I guess, the issue I take with it is that you're still trying to like categorize sexuality and it doesn't often, doesn't always fit into like neat boxes. Yeah. I feel like if we've gotten to the point in society where we can say sexuality is a spectrum, isn't that all we need? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, is it like, is there anything else we need in that? Like sex, sexuality is a spectrum. You can be anywhere along that spectrum and find anything attractive. Yeah. You know, I like, mean, Yes, but obviously not. <laughs> yeah, and I think, so, um, and I want to talk about this more because there were two particular themes that came out in a lot of the literature about bisexuality and it was um, trustworthiness and, and instability. Right? Oh my God. And so yeah. well, it came up a lot and um, just while we're talking about psychoanalysis, <laughs> it always comes up. <laughs> Um, while we're talking about psychologists or whatever yep. you want to call them, um, that have developed these scales, I think one of the articles I read and it just pinged in my mind because I'm always ready to kind of 
shit on Freud. Oh my god, I was, I was, I was like, is this a segment where we <laughs> shit on Freud? I feel like we need a little jingle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, as you're talking, scrolling to my notes where I've got my bit on Freud. On Freud. <laughs> yeah, as you were talking about other people, I was like, control F Freud. <laughs> Fucking Freud. Um, theory of instability and and untrustworthiness actually harks back to Freud and he posited bisexuality as immature. Yes. So it's like it's when your sexuality hasn't yet developed into a like mature developed sexuality that you would consider yourself bisexual. Yeah, the theory of innate bisexuality and it's based on this idea that there's a developmental period when you're still in the womb and you haven't yet formed uh, your sex. Um, And (laughs) essentially the idea is that homosexuality of any kind, according to Freud, comes from some kind of trauma that prevents you from developing, air quotes, normally. And so you're still stuck in this this developmental stage from the womb. Yeah. Um, And you're still lingering in that weird limbo. I, I don't feel like I'm lingering in a weird limbo, <laughs> just to be super clear. And also, it kind of goes back, this this idea of normality and whatever actually goes back to what we're talking about with nymphomania, of the idea of deviance. And, yes. And what is deviance. Layers and layers. Deviance, yeah. <laughs> and, it, um, and it comes in as well with bisexuals because the other bad stereotype or the other stereotype that people have is that bisexuals are more promiscuous yes um, huge more huge. likely to have stis and more likely to cheat and whatever which totally. goes into the untrustworthiness um and in that report like in that study that was done in 2017 where they actually spoke to bisexual and pansexual people about how they identified when they were speaking about stereotypes about bisexuality all of the stereotypes they offered were bad yeah that they were offering of like what people thought about them it was and it there was a note in the study that was like no one could identify something good about you oh. know bisexuality <laughs> at, at that point there were some things later on with like with regards to relationship structures and whatever which is also interesting but um at that point they were like yeah essentially no one wants to date us because everybody thinks that we are confused yeah. or sluts People can't see me nodding, but I'm nodding. Um, like it's a it's a particularly um, I don't know. This is a really really important topic for me to to bring to the table. In that, like, I have firsthand experienced all of these things. I've had partners who have absolutely um, sort of cast this idea of my sexuality as something that was like highly promiscuous, not to be trusted. Like, I couldn't possibly be monogamous. And be multi-gender attracted. Mm. And like, which is also tricky then if you are someone who does um, like practice to ex- non-monogamy. practice non-monogamy, <laughs> then you're kind of like... Playing into a stereotype. Oh, and it's such a fucking yeah. minefield. So yeah, so I feel like very personally um, attached to this. So I, I, I definitely will share some of my own experiences as you tell um, the academic side as well. Oh, okay. No, I have to undo my pants. <laughs> I'm Are you coming on to me? No! <laughs> Bear with me while I undo my jeans. They're too tight. No one needs this. I honestly let my tummy hang out. Yeah, well, I mean, as I said, I'm in overalls <laughs> for children, so we're fine. So, this book, um, yeah. I went into it, like I said, with a fighting attitude. <laughs> um, because, um, yeah. Also interesting that it's best bisexual women's erotica. And that, I think, is in itself an interesting thing to think about because so often when we think about stereotypes of bisexual people, often the case is that if you're a bisexual woman, it's regarded as experimenting, like you Mm. hinted at before. Um, But if you're a bisexual man, it's just a step on the way to becoming gay. Yeah, I have so much... About that. Oh, it's the mo it's so patriarchal in the sense that it completely centers men. Yeah. And, and essentially that. every study that I read said that um if you were to have two if you were to have a woman and a man who identified as bisexual and the woman kissed a girl or slept with a woman and the man slept with a man, P 
people would see that woman as essentially heterosexual, but bi-curious. Yeah. And would see the man as gay. Oh, I just... And it I'm not takes, surprised, but I fucking hate it. It takes, like, a lot of sleeping with people of the same sex for a woman to be identified as bisexual. Even mm. then, she probably wouldn't be. She would be identified as, as lesbian. Yeah. Um. But for a man, it's literally, like, make out with another man and you... People will assume that you're gay. Yeah. And obviously, a lot of that comes down to, like, it's... It is more um, frowned upon in society still for men to show affection to other men. So for a man to, say, publicly make out with another man, that's that's quite big. And now, because of porn, for women to make out with another woman is this thing that's still... Like, the male gaze is still centred in that. Yeah, Oh, I just <laughs> makes me so mad. So one of the things, so this book, this book is a collection of short stories. Um, it is, so all of the stories are, are written by different authors, which mm-hmm. is cool. And what I found really fascinating was the introduction, which is by the, the editor who sort of pulled this all together. And she really highlights some of that stuff. Like, so I, like I said, I went into this kind of wanting to pull it apart. because of who I am as a person um but then as I went through it I kind of couldn't because what they've done is try to capture so many different experiences of experiences of bisexuality in all of its different well not all of its different forms it's impossible to capture all of its different forms but really tried to not um pigeonhole bisexuality into any one particular way of being so it included stories with monogamous partners, with lots of affection and love. It included stories about polyamorous people and and their endeavors. It, it, it included a lot of orgies, a lot of um, a lot of like. I guess what I found fascinating about it was that some of these stories I found really, really stereotypical, like the classic sort of stuff yeah, that you would expect. Right. But other ones sort of surprised me a little bit and. What I liked was that in the introduction, the editor addresses that. For example, one of the things she says is that one one thing I discovered was that a lot of people's misconceptions about bisexual behavior showed up in many of the stories I received as submissions. Mm. A large percentage of stories featured predictably scripted three ways, a pointedly straight woman experimenting for the first time, or a lesbian stepping out with a man. Sure, every group is stereotyped in some way, but I have to admit I was surprised to see that in our information adult era, the urban legend as sexual fantasies still loomed so large. So she she kind of explores in her introduction how bisexual women in particular are kind of like a staple of everyone else's porn and kind of like heightened as this idea of like super... They're, they're highly sexualized, but... And I, I thought this was interesting because at the same time they're also demonized mm. and it, it made me think of think back to our nymphomania episode about touching on revert like the madonna whore complex and also talking about this idea of a nymph who it is or an nymphomaniac like this idea of this woman being so sexually empowered that they're super like desired and like fantasized about but at the same time like when it comes to the reality of it um seen as being promiscuous not trustworthy almost threatening um and that that kind of that kind of like duality yeah and it is um so one of the things i was reading was a um article from 2014 that's talking about the over sexualization of bisexuals the hypersexuality of bisexuals which has been identified actually as like a category of microaggression specifically mm. towards women um, who are mostly over-sexualized because of porn. Yeah. Um, right. And this idea that when you tell someone that you're a bisexual woman and that someone happens to be a man, um, <laughs> often the first question is around, like, having a threesome. Yeah, well, I mean, she even says it here. She says, When I first came out as bi, I thought that my chances of dating would double. This didn't happen. In fact, many of the lesbians I met wouldn't date me, while the guys just wanted to see if they could get me into a three-way. 
Yeah. And that's, and it's, like, that's, that's kind of the crux of it. It's a very, like, damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. And, um, it was saying, you know, that public displays of affection between women are considered more acceptable if both of the women appear to be feminine and stereotypically heterosexual. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's the other thing, right? Like, if you're a butch woman but you're not a lesbian like you're not a butch lesbian but you're bisexual like there's other things that are coming into play with also how you present yourself and mm. what um what's presumed because of that and they had a line that was saying you know even though it's considered kind of cool if there's a woman making out with a woman they're automatically assumed to be more promiscuous yeah than yeah. if it was a woman making out with a man yeah and honestly, like, it was actually kind of crazy because a lot of the information that I found was mostly to do with um, bisexual women. Mm. And that's the other thing, right? You talk about kind of bi erasure in regards to queer studies. But then there's also the fact that what a woman experiences as a bisexual and what a man experiences as a bisexual are actually incredibly different things. And totally. I tried to find some stuff about men, bisexual men, and there there was stuff that was essentially saying that, you know, heterosexual women um, reported that they would be worried to have a male bisexual partner. Although in general, women are more accepting mm-hmm. of bisexuality, um, but they worry if they had a male bisexual partner because they're worried that he would uh, become gay in the future. Yeah. yeah. And they're also worried that they would not be able to fulfill their sexual needs. And that, I mean, I think that translates to, to certainly to my experiences as well. Like this sense of like fear that I've, I've had partners in the past who have definitely explained that they worry that I could never properly be satisfied by, by them Mm -hmm. that I would be like secretly pining after whatever other gender, um, which is just insanity because, like, everybody in relationships is attracted to other people outside of their relationships. Totally. Like, but also, like, it just harps back to, like, human insecurities, right? Like, Yeah, mm. but, I mean, you have those insecurities in every relationship you have. Why mm. is it only with a bisexual person that you feel comfortable? Like, and, and I, I don't know. Like, I, I've obviously, I've been friends with you for a long time, but I've also, like, dated bisexual men, and it is just not something that I've ever (laughs) been concerned with. And so to me, like the fact that not only are people like before we were even talking about this kind of stuff, I just didn't even think of it. And the fact that like, it's not just that people are kind of concerned with it. It's that enough people are concerned with it that I could read like pages and pages about, how people feel about bisexual people. Yeah. It kind of blew my mind. I was like, it just, it does not make sense to me on a fundamental level. Like, I, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me either, <laughs> given that I live this fucking life, but also having experienced it, like, I'm kind of glad to hear that there are, there is, you know, academic literature around it because the experience is real. It's really harmful and it's still pervasive. Like I often to this day do not feel queer enough in queer spaces. Like it's not just coming from heterosexual people. It comes from queer people as well. Um, And this is, I mean, I was also reading things about particularly when bisexual people are in relationships with uh, like differing sex relationships essentially. And that, when that happens, it's very much like, oh, well, you're heterosexual because that's the relationship you chose. It's like, yeah, it's like the need or the, the want to be in a relationship with someone means that you are choosing a sexuality. So oh, it's like, either, aside. <laughs> either you don't choose a sexuality and people see you as like this massively promiscuous, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. someone who will just fuck anything that moves or you start to become in a committed relationship and people are like, oh, well, actually, this just proves that you're not bisexual. Ha, 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 ha. Like, yeah, thanks. 
Or you get into a relationship <laughs> and you explore non-monogamy and then you just satisfy someone else's <laughs> idea of what a bisexual is. And of course you would do that because of course you can't possibly be monogamous. And the weird thing is that I was reading a lot of stories about from men who are bisexual and a lot of them said, like, there was no kind of, like, quantitative data around this but a lot of the stories that i was reading which i found incredibly interesting and it's just like layers on layers <laughs> again <laughs> is that men would say a lot of bisexual men would say things along the lines of like they were in relationships with women and they just wanted to have sex with men on like a casual basis mm, mm-hmm. but like their relationships were with women and to me, that feeds into not so much their sexuality, but like this idea of masculinity with men and the stability that women offer as opposed oh. to another man. Yeah, interesting. That that was how, because I just kept on coming across these stories yeah. being like, oh no, like I want to be in a relationship with a woman, but every couple of weeks I want to go and... And just have, like, this animalistic fuck fest with this dude. (laughs) And so, yeah, I just, I I couldn't read that without being like, but is that because we, like, we see these relationships as, like, a woman providing stability and emotional support? And also just, like, society smiles upon those relationships, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Maybe there's some element of being, like, I can have this relationship with a woman and no one's going to say anything. I don't have to like consistently come out as like not even gay as this thing that people still question even exists. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think that also we need to address and something that um, comes up a lot in the bi community is this idea of um, the gender binary Mm. So obviously bi as a prefix means two. two. Mm. And so sort of historically and even to this day, that's kind of taken as being like attracted to two genders. Yeah. Um, and that can cause all kinds of problems when you start thinking about gender non-conforming people. Um, and I just want to highlight that as far as I'm concerned, bisexuality means being attracted to genders similar and um unlike your own that's my Mm. understanding of it that's where i comfortably sit but like there's a lot and you probably wouldn't be tuned out on this because why would you be (laughs) um there's a lot of sort of in i mean yeah infighting in Mm. in the queer community about this and about bisexuality being not inclusive of uh, non-binary people, gender non-conforming people, gender queer people. Um, obviously, like gender is a very tricky space, and it changes a lot. And as far as I'm concerned, bisexuality does capture that, but there is some like uh, debate. I mean, gatekeeping almost of any form is never going to be great. Yeah, like I mean, that's fundamentally, you know, if you're if you're gatekeeping your little area yeah it's you're very rarely are you going to be on the right side of history with that yeah it and it just does so much more harm than good like and it's it's tricky right because on the one hand I kind of just want to be like why do we even need to put a label on it like I can just be attracted to whoever it doesn't matter but at the same time it's like well no labels and language and words have power and a lot of people in the LGBT QIA plus space have fought for a really long time to be able to own those labels. And I wouldn't want to just be like dismissive of that. Yeah. Um, but getting down into the nitty gritty of like what's bisexual versus what's pansexual versus what's ambisexual starts to feel really, starts to really great against me. Mm. I guess like, bisexuality has um, has a really long history behind it and I feel quite attached to it because it's the first term that I came across mm. you know and obviously our understanding of gender and sexuality continues to evolve and maybe bisexual is not the perfect term for it anymore but I'm not ready to throw out a term that has so much history behind it um, you know in favour of a different one especially when I'm personally attached to it so and I think I think like one of the things is that 
when we're talking about like a gender binary and, and these things, we're, we're moving to a space, hopefully, where people, and this is another thing that I hadn't really thought about that much until I started reading a lot more about it. We're moving to a space where people are hopefully not assuming, for instance, like we're saying partner instead mm. of husband and, and wife and whatever. Um, we're moving to a space where we're starting to try to not assume somebody's gender. sexuality. Oh, yeah. Or, or their, or their gender. gender, yeah. Um, but specifically, I'm thinking sexuality. And but then the thing is, you know, if which is something that I didn't think of, and and am now like, oh, I've probably done this in the past. Is that if somebody says, I this is my partner, and it's a man, my assumption is that person is heterosexual. Yeah, which it shouldn't be. Yeah, right? yeah, And that's the thing. Like, that in and of itself can be a microaggression if yeah. that person is bisexual. Yeah. But also, like, we've all been trained that way. We've been conditioned yeah. that way. It's very hard to suddenly break out of that. And I think that it, yeah, I don't know. I think that it's important to, once you realize that, now, next time you're introduced to someone's partner, you might be like, hmm. Yeah, and I think it's more of those, like, slip of the tongue things that yeah. you would be, like, you would talk about. I can't even imagine what they would be but um I was reading stuff that was essentially saying yeah you know when I introduce my partner they will then continue to say stuff with the assumption that I'm heterosexual yeah um or with the assumption that I'm that I'm a lesbian or that I'm gay um so I think it's just actually about remembering that there are other sexualities as well and and talking to people accordingly and not ever assuming that yeah I mean like so my partner is Uh, a man and so like often I experience this a lot and I experience a lot of like this just fear that people think that I'm straight Mm. and then this weird like gross being straight don't do it it's awful (laughs) (laughs) but this weird sense of like needing to like be like this is my partner but also like I've fucked women in the past (laughs) you know like I, I you know like fuck it's so no one's asking for that but also I feel like I need to I don't know, like, to, to be, like, seen? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I feel like this episode has become us actually just like what our normal conversation is we've not <laughs> less about book the book at, at all <laughs> um okay so um, okay give me some sexy a, bits that's a meaty meaty <laughs> meaty oh. it's a juicy no it's a uh, it's a topic <laughs> um so there was a, lots of different stories in here um I'm going to pick out a couple of my, uh, not favorites, but, you know, some interesting ones. One that I, that sort of lingered with me was this one called Surrender Dorothy, which is by Lisa Archer and is essentially um, about this woman and her friend. They're really young. They're in um, college. They're like 18, 19 years old or so. Um, and this, this woman is convinced that her friend Dorothy is bisexual, but she hasn't come out that way yet. And essentially what happens is they throw her a birthday party slash a coming out party, essentially, that kind of turns into an orgy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there have been worse parties. (laughs) Um, and like, is she, has, is the friend, has the friend come out as? gay or so so Dorothy so it starts off as Dorothy was my best friend in college blah 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 when we first met she was by her own definition straight but her definition of straight changed like the wind Dorothy was the first woman I had sex with and vice versa so they are best friends but they have also slept together the narrator of this story um, identifies as bisexual and is frustrated that Dorothy has not come out that way also narrator it's not even fucking business (laughs) calm down (laughs) 
Um, anyway, and she has a threesome with Dorothy and her and this guy that she's sleeping called Matt. And what I thought was interesting in this, um, so at one point, the narrator is like, as I, this is after the path of threesome, as I fell asleep that night, I couldn't help feeling as if I'd just had my first bisexual experience. Even though I'd already identified it as bisexual for a year and had sex with both men and women individually, nonetheless, if I had sex with a man at 7pm and a woman at 8, who's to say I didn't go through a heterosexual phase at 7 and find my true lesbian identity an hour later? <laughs> uh, I don't know where to go with this. After, after my first menage a trois, I felt as if I jumped through the final hoop of true of true bisexual identity. When was this book published? <laughs> Does anybody use the term menage a trois anymore? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was two, 2001. So okay. we're talking All 20 right. years yeah, ago. That's, that's, I feel like menage a trois really had, a, had its heyday in the early 2000s. I feel like menage a trois in my mind goes hand in hand with the Mile High Club for some Yeah, reason. it's very like old school swingers yeah. kind of vibe that they'd all be around about 50 to 60 <laughs> now. And yeah. I just picture a 50 to 60 year old saying menage a trois. Oh. And it's automatically not sexy. Yeah. So that like really got under my skin. And I think that it's it's funny because it, it, it really like highlights some of the stuff that you were saying from the studies. Like this idea of, of sort of oscillating between heterosexual and homosexual and not being able to like settle into and also i mean who is i'm okay sorry some people are settled but a lot of people are not settled and they will never be settled and that's okay yeah and that's okay and if you don't identify as like bisexual because you don't feel that you are strictly like with both or whatever but you say identify as heterosexual but you like find women attractive and you do certain sexual acts with women and then that also ties back i'm sorry i'm having a little like brain explosion moment (laughs) here but that also ties back to like what we're talking about with virginity you know as to like how far do you go with a woman before you've had sex what is sex yeah like what what is it or how far do you go with someone of the same sex before you've had sex yeah with that with that person and is that what we're identifying like if you're bisexual you have to have had sex with someone no that's that's ridiculous that's crazy (laughs) but yeah so is it just about like how you identify and how you feel and in which case like plenty of people are kind of all over the place and don't identify as any particular thing which is also totally fine i which is the kind of that I love about it as well like it's messy and it's complicated and it changes for a lot of people it's not static for everyone and that's what I was thinking with this whole thing about like heterosexual women being afraid and I think it's it's kind of similar for men but I definitely think there is this massive thing in pop culture about like turning men gay you know like you weren't good enough so the man became gay yeah like that is is a thing that people still kind of discuss. One of my early boyfriends in high school (laughs) was lovely. And we (laughs) dated for about a week. (laughs) Um, Later on, he came out as gay. Not too much later, to be honest. (laughs) But even then, like, people would come up and say bullshit things to me about how I must have been a terrible girlfriend because he he then turned gay. Yeah, so that, that kind of stuff is so and it's and it's stuff that's still said in like um progressive circles i mean sort of part of the same narrative is this idea of like oh i could i could i could turn turn you yeah yeah like no i don't care what your dick is like (laughs) you're not gonna turn a lesbian straight with your dick like that's just not how it works no and like who cares yeah how conceited are how like fragile are you? Yeah. Oh, no, I just oh it makes me so mad. Um so anyway, this story, they throw her a party. Her friend, the narrator, is like, Dorothy's really into spanking, so it's gonna be like uh, I think she called it a paddy wagon. <laughs> the party is a pat like 
Yeah, the, this idea, they all stood in a line with their legs spread, and then they made, they, it's a surprise party, Dorothy rocks up, Dorothy comes in the door and has to crawl through all of their legs, and they all take in turns spanking Sorry, her. I just googled paddy wagon spanking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so they make Dorothy crawl through this train of legs, all getting spanked, and then it, it does turn into an orgy. I mean, I'm, we're reading erotica, what are you, where did you expect it to go? What I'm is your face? I'm what is sorry, that? Urban Dictionary. Oh, Urban Dictionary is such trash. Urban Dictionary is where dreams go to die. Oh God. But sorry, sorry. Let's go back. <laughs> um. Yes. So Dorothy is forced to go through this train of human legs. They all take it in turns spanking her. Is she naked? Are they naked? No. It starts off as oh. like this fun, jovial thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Do I not get throw it. me this party. <laughs> weird i am <laughs> definitely throwing this party it's like i mean it's it's kind of like no more sexual than did you ever play that like orange game where you had an orange oh, stuck in yeah. your chin yeah. and your like yeah. chest and you had to like pass it along mm-hmm. the line and mm-hmm. everybody's getting their faces real close to each other i feel like high school was just like rife with games or just an excuse to get close to each oh, other oh yeah absolutely i never played like that suck and blow game from oh, Clueless. I, I think don't that's know a very it's... American thing. Yeah, right. You know what we did play, though, which is just, like, it's not even a game at this point. <laughs> um, oh, what was it called? I feel like it might have been called Frigid, which is oh, no. a terrible name for a game. <laughs> I think, or maybe, I can't, I don't know if I'm just, like, implanting that in my memory, but essentially, you would play it in pairs, and you would, like, start by running your finger, like, up their leg really slowly, and, like... As it gets higher and higher, like, up, 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 above their knee and up their thigh and, like, towards their crutch. It was essentially a game of chicken. And the person had to, like, say when to stop. Your school was so much more sexual than my school. <laughs> I've never heard of this game before. Oh. I mean, we were in the... Oh, you were also in the country, uh, no, though. not really. Not by the time I was in high school. Yeah, okay. Maybe it was just, like, being in the countryside, we had to, like, entertain ourselves somehow. But also, like, it's a, it's a fucked game. Um, yeah, right. So, <laughs> sorry, we're getting very, very distracted. Did, um, like, did anyone end up doing, like, a hand job? I, I mean, probably. I didn't hear, didn't hear of it, about it. But right. that doesn't mean it wasn't happening. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's kind of like a very sexualized version of, like, did you ever play that game where you take it in turns slapping each other on the back of your hand? Yeah, oh yeah. That one we definitely So, played. like, Mercy, essentially. <laughs> Similar sort of premise, just, you know, with sexual boundaries. Yeah, so it's essentially like in high school, your games are separated into how much can I hurt this person and um, how close can I get to the boundary of consent. It's no wonder we are so fucked up. (laughs) Um, I mean, mean, maybe it's a good game to play now if you're like, you are like working as like like an exercise on expressing boundaries and consent. Yeah. But, like, teenagers on a bus. No. Mm. No. On a bus. No, it's... But you're sitting two by two. <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to do? It's prime time for it. <laughs> Sorry. I, are I, you doing fucking reading on the bus? I mean... Yes. And also, my friend and I thought that we could blow things up with our minds. So. <laughs> um, all right. Back to, back to the back story. Back to the story. Long story short... They have a big orgy, and then Dorothy is like, oh, I guess turns out I am bisexual. Like, what? Because of the orgy? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway. Um, was the orgy sexy? Yeah, like, to be honest, like, most of the, not most, some of them were quite erotic. Like, probably the most sexy content that I've read so far right. in this podcast project okay so there's a bit of a some given that they're all written by um different authors there was a bit of a running theme of cuckolding oh for those who don't know what cuckolding is it's essentially when generally speaking it's with when you've got um you and your partner and then and then you watch your partner with someone else cuckolding interests me we should talk about it in depth some other Mm. time maybe if we find a book that's specifically about cuckolding um, but that came up quite a lot. Like there was a lot of watching of partners with other people, often with peoples of different people of different genders. So one of the stories that I thought was really 
quite sexy was one called Party of One by Elise Hello. Tanner. Is this just about masturbation? <laughs> no, but that, you know, maybe that, yeah. <laughs> and essentially what happened in that story was that it's a lesbian couple, but one of them... Sorry, just, just as an aside, just a side note. I feel like whenever we're talking about these stories and then we're like, eh, it wasn't too good, but the bit that was quite sexy is always about masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, the bit true. that I found. This is not going to be about erotic. That. This is not going to be about masturbation. <laughs> but yes. But anyway. Um, so it's about this lesbian couple, but one of them has fantasies about. Um, essentially like going to a hotel room and having anonymous sex with someone um, blindfolded and she never knows who that person is. Oh. And I was like, that is a specific fantasy. Um, yeah. But okay. that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so <laughs> her and her partner. Not to like rate people's fantasies on how cool it is, but like I find that one pretty cool. So her and her partner for her, I think it's for her birthday. They're celebrating something. Her partner essentially organizes for this fantasy to happen. And she knows that um, she has also had fantasies about being with men. Mm-hmm. And so essentially this woman gets to this hotel room. It's all this like elaborate, like sexy setup. Um, what is an elaborate, sexy setup? Like they had, they went out, well, they went out for a really nice dinner. Oh. <laughs> they were like dressed all sexy. There was lots of like sexy talk over dinner. Like the build up uh-huh. was there. Yeah, yeah. There was obviously like a lot of care. The, her partner went to the effort of being like, you know, is we've spoken about this before. Is there anything that's off limits for you? Like they had a discussion around boundaries and I was like, oh, damn. And then she gets to this hotel room, blindfolds on, clothes are off. Turns out it's a guy. And initially she's like, oh, God. Like, that would be quite confronting. Yeah. yeah. And then she's like, wait, into it. They have this like really hot sex. Actually, anal came up quite a lot in this as well, which oh. I didn't ex- expect. Um, yeah, yeah. Because which I, we should also talk about at some point. We should talk about. But I think when we think about bisexual women, we often like go to this sort of like stereotypical like giggly girls like pillow fights. Yeah, kinda, yeah. Um, but no, there's quite a lot of anal in this book. Anyway, they had this really hot sex, and at one point she can smell her partner her the the woman who's organized all of this and then she realizes that she's in the room watching the whole time and she like reaches out and grabs her hand and it's like this really lovely moment and then she like comes really hard while holding her partner's hand while this guy is fucking her in the ass (laughs) it was beautiful (laughs) i mean (laughs) i'm sure it was I didn't convey that in my retelling. <laughs> no, I mean, you definitely conveyed the beauty. <laughs> I feel like your retellings often completely skip the sexy bits. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Do you want me to read it out to you? Is that what you want? I mean, some sexy bit. Okay. A right. sexy bit. A sexy bit. Give the people what they want. This is what the people want. Give the five people what they want. Um... Then he releases my wrists and moves down, his tongue tracing a path from my neck to my shoulders and then down to my breasts. I feel his hot mouth around my nipple. I feel it growing even harder between his teeth. How do you feel about extended licking? I mean, not like... <laughs> <laughs> but like... I don't know, it's kind of hot. When I was 18, a guy like licked my neck and I feel like it really kind of turned me off. <laughs> licking. Also, general. like you don't have to take you don't have to like pause with you you are not lasting on one like bit of saliva going all the way from someone's mouth to their genitals. Oh yeah, no you, <laughs> This doesn't this is to a nipple. Oh yeah. for now. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, da, da, da. He lingers just long enough to make me squirm and shiver and moan, and then his tongue draws a figure eight over my belly, and I realise with a rush where he's headed. <laughs> He gently, I mean, there's only a few I options. know, like, where is he? My armpit. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be great, though? If, like, someone was, like, sucking on your nipple and then just, like, suddenly, like, went to your pit. Surprise! <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like I'd appreciate it. The, for the humour. For I the humour. sex is weird. Yeah, enough exactly. Is. You may as well, like, lick someone's pit. <laughs> 
Um, oh, well, I mean, that's not where he goes. <laughs> sort of let you down. <laughs> Damn it. He gently parts my legs as his face settles between my thighs and his tongue finds its place in my cleft. Pause. Not okay with cleft. Yeah, I don't enjoy cleft either. Um, pressing against my swollen, throbbing clit and licking down to taste the juices of my flooding cunt. Nothing sounds sexy when I read it out loud. <laughs> Not that it's like throbbing. Flooding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yada, yada, yada. From another story. Yeah, actually, you know what I was just thinking about when I was trying to find a bit to read? There's a lot of dick in this. Like, oh. which is fine. Like, you, bisexual. You're bisexual. Like, absolutely. But a lot more. Um, for something called Best Bisexual Women's Erotica, there was a lot of guy on guy. Yeah, um, okay. which I actually kind of appreciated. Like, it just had a real range of um, sexualities and experiences. And there was also one story where, um, let me see if I can find it, where this person goes to a what I think is a gay bar. It, the term it was vaguely described. They have a girlfriend, but they go to this um, bar to pick up men. They don't disclose their gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole idea of the story is based on um, essentially them being perceived to, to be a man. Yeah, right. Um, mm. And there's a lot of stuff about sort of passing as a man and picking up gay men in this bar yeah, and right. having sex with them in like the back room and it kind of being like this confrontational thing where these guys are really attracted to this person. Um and they have a vagina. Yeah. Yeah. And and it not being like a surprise, but like yeah. it being like a sort of confronting their perceptions around being gay and what yeah. that what that means. Which I think is kinda kinda yeah. cool that it was included in there. Anyway, so I guess like the, the thing that I I was surprised by about this book is that it really did like endeavour to capture a lot of different experiences, which I thought was cool. A lot of different um sexualities and preferences and like groupings it wasn't devoid of uh attachment and love either Mm. like i thought it was cool that it was very much erotica very much about the sex but some of the characters had like genuine connections and relationships it wasn't just about fucking yeah um which i thought was cool um interesting plays on gender and exploration of that i don't know like it it wasn't like some of it made me cringe, but I'm trying to figure out if that's just because I'm like have been trained to cringe at, at erotic works or if it was like genuinely cringy. It's kind of hard to tell. And I guess we're always going to approach these differently because we're literally reading them in order to talk about them. Yeah. So it's not exactly, exactly like you're just picking things up to read to get off to. Yeah. Like knowing that I had to bring something to talk about definitely changed my experience of reading the book, that's for sure. There were things in there that maybe otherwise I might have been more aroused by. Mm. But, like, definitely the sexiest thing I've read so far in this That's project. That's good. We're on the right track. <laughs> yeah. I now need to find something that is sexy um, for myself. So, I guess the only really things I had is that I did have a few kind of, like, Australian-specific stats. Yes. Come at me. Um... Obviously, this stat is incredibly unreliable, but (laughs) I'm going to preface that. But it was from a hack article from Triple J. Um, They did a survey of more than 10,000 Triple J listeners aged between 18 and 29. And within that group, 11.4% of respondents told us that they identified as bisexual. 11.4%. Yeah, which is higher than the broader Australian population from the Australian Study of Health and Relationships, which was 1.1% of men and 2.2% of women. So the, like, this article was talking about the um, 2013 survey of nearly 1,200 LGBT adults in the Pew Research Centre in the United States. Yeah. So the median age where bisexuals report first thinking they could be bi is 13. Okay. The median age they know for sure is 17, and the median age for telling someone is 20. Yeah, okay. That, uh, that adds up to my experience. 
um, <laughs> less likely compared to gay and lesbian people to um, say that their sexual orientation is extremely important or very important to their identity. Oh, interesting. 20% said it's super important compared to around half gay men and lesbians. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, it doesn't help when you've sort of been told that those spaces aren't for you for such a long time. Yeah, exactly. And then also, which is kind of what we're talking about before, um, less likely to come out. Yeah. So it said 28% of bisexuals say all or most of their friends and family know compared with 77% of gay men and 71% of lesbians. Yeah. And I've definitely sort of faced that and being like, especially if I'm at the time dating a guy, it feels, it feels weird to come out to Mm. people because you know what their reaction is going to be like. And it's similar in some ways, I think, to uh, non-monogamy or poly in that, yeah. like, if you're, if you have a primary yeah. or if you're, de- introduce someone as, like, your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever, but your relationship is not open, it's yeah. like this added aside that you're kind of like, well, why should I? Yeah. You know, like, it just seems like I'm really kind of putting it out there to be like, this is my boyfriend, but he's not my only boyfriend, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, and I think a lot of what I was reading was essentially saying that it is becoming a much more common um, identification in younger generations, which makes sense. Yeah. I think we are definitely kind of more open, not, you know, 100% there. And then I think it's, um, we should mention they do suffer, bisexuals were found to to suffer poorer mental health than um, both gay and lesbian people as well as heterosexuals. Yeah, I remember reading a while ago when it was Biodisability Day, I did a bit of research around this, um, and I remember reading that in particular bisexual people who are in hetero-presenting relationships have lower mental health, generally speaking, um, than those who are in queer-presenting relationships. And I guess that would kind of relate to, yeah, feeling like, you know, you feeling by erasure and feeling like you don't. And it's essentially, it's, it's an identity question. Like yeah. you, by erasure is not just like of bisexuality in general. It is of this person's identity in particular. Yeah. Every single time it happens. So yeah. it's like an incredibly harmful thing to, to happen. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, where would we be without mentioning the Australia talks Oh, yeah. Survey, I forgot about that one. Which I uh, went through to try and find again. Um, and out of all of the age ranges, with 18 being the lowest, so 18 to 36 were the only age groups, which is two age groups, that were somewhat open to dating bisexuals. Somewhat open. Yeah. Every other age group were on the no. Oh. Anywhere between... Not really to absolutely not. Um, God. And also, out of all of the questions, it was the most divided question. Yeah, interesting. So they had the most amount saying absolutely and the most amount saying absolutely not on either side of the spectrum. Yeah, right. Uh, You know what, though? Like, I, I do have to... Like, that makes me feel like shit, but also, like, I have to check in on myself a little bit and be like, well... There is a level of privilege in being a femme, white, cisgendered, bisexual woman. It's still super harmful. But then, like, there are people out there who are non-binary and bisexual, as an example. And that also goes to show that, like, it doesn't necessarily operate on this the, the, the gender binary mm-hmm. as it often gets sort of um, pinned down to. And, like... The levels of erasure that people must feel in those kinds of intersections would be just, I mean, they're not even included in these sorts of studies, you know, like that would be something. That's some, just like so some of the studies did talk about non-binary okay. bisexuality. Um, and I think it actually came out as one of kind of the more positive things with bisexuality was that people um, who identified as bisexual did not feel. And it's like a good good note to end yeah. this on as a nice positive one. <laughs> <laughs> um, people who identified as bisexual did not 
feel as tied to, um, say, for example, monogamy yeah. or dating traditionally mask and femme yeah, people. Cool. And so often found um, that they would be in bisexual relationships with non-binary and genderqueer yeah. folk because it just kind of, it was, it's, your your entire sexuality is based around this fluidity yeah. And so often it would bleed into also just all other types of fluidity and gender fluidity and, and the way that you present. So yeah, they ended it. up in relationships that might actually be kind of poly or non-monogamous and, and with um, people who identified every which way. Oh, I love that. That's where I want to hang out. That sounds <laughs> like a great group of people. We're just slowly getting a club. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It's like 18th century asylums. And we can just, you know, like all the stigma and stuff, they can just hang out outside the club. Exactly. They're not welcome. Exactly. We'll get in the bin. They can stay outside the bin. The bin's nice. The bin's lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, this has been, this is, this has been a lot. (laughs) But it's been really helpful to talk through some of this stuff. So thank you for for coming with me on this journey. Thank you for trusting me. Yay. (laughs) See you next time. Mm, Books, love, love, love.